Have you found out that the more you sacrifice for something, the more you appreciate it? Have you ever noticed that? When you get something too cheaply, it, it don't mean quite as much to you. You know, if you have to work a month or so for something, you really appreciate it when you get it. But you know, if your parents just give it to you, well, you know, you appreciate it, but it's not quite as a deep appreciation. Well, you know, I think about what did Jesus pay the price of my sins. And that's the title of the message, The Price of My Sin. Because I really think if we're going to really appreciate Jesus like we should, and we're going to have a real meaningful communion experience, that's the root of it. That's the very root of it. Because, you know, you know, think, well, Jesus could have come and died and, and uh, lived a normal life and died. and said, look, you know, just because I give a good example, you look at my good example, you need to be saved. But he didn't do that. That was part of it. That was part of it. He did give a good example. But it was way more than that. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Started. <clears throat> we'll read in the New King James, because some of those words there are a little different. Uh, a little different slant on them. I think it, uh, maybe we understand it a little better. I mean, the setting sin, which they used to say that. Uh, but I'm not sure we always think about that the right way or the meaning, the deep meanings of that. Where Hebrews 12 it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father, right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your minds. Now it starts out here saying, there's a, there's a great crowd of witnesses, and I praise God we can look in the, the, the previous chapter and find a great crowd of faithful people. I like to think about the ones also that passed off the scene that you and I maybe know. And there are a crowd of witnesses that, that have been faithful. They, they was willing by God's grace stay true to him and uh and he's saying look you there's so many good testimonies of ones that endured afflictions just like yours or worse and they stayed true and he said okay there's a few things you got to remember there's sin and it beckons and he said you got we have to lay that aside because that's going to weight down your spiritual walk it's going to be difficult easy to be ensnared by sin but I praise God you say look there's a better way lay it aside and it runs but endurance you know you're going to have to let it to the end it's a, it's a long journey and so look consider him consider Jesus how he would do this because Jesus in verse 2 says he's the author of thank God he was the author of our salvation but he was more than that he completed it he completed it And it wasn't an easy journey. But you know, he could look past the present to the future. And we're going to have to too. There's times when we have to say, 
for the joy in the future. I'm going to endure by God's grace what's happening today. In fact, maybe we have to say that more because I think, I mean, sometimes we have to say that more because I think sometimes I tend to, to focus on the enduring, the struggle, the ridicule of today. But Jesus said for the joy that was set before him, he was going to despise the shame. Now, I know there's not much shame in America today. I've seen stickers before, no shame, and they act like it's no shame. And what they do is very shameful. Because that's the way life of sinner is. It's very shameful. But Jesus knew what shame was. But he endured it for us. He endured it for our sins. But he hit, but he was willing to look past that. And you know, I had to think in his high priestly prayer, just a little before his crucifixion, not long before, verses one to seven. He said, He gave us a perception of how to look at life. And it says in John 17, and we'll read the first couple verses, it says, Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that you may know that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That's a life spent serving Jesus. I hope that every Christian here this evening can pray something like that at the end of the journey. Lord, you know, you've worked into me. I'm here to glorify you. I've finished the work you've called me to do. That's beautiful. I think Jesus saw his work completed and he could have joy that he followed the will of his Father to the very end at every crossroad, at every crossroad, every challenge. Because he said, you know what? You're going to be weary at times and you're going to be discouraged. That's the last part of verse 3. And you know, the scripture says you got to pray and not to faint. And I understand that fainting is being worried, possibly discouraged, but definitely being uh, worried and, uh, and uh, cast down in our spirits. But he said, look, look, what did Jesus do for you? He endured hostility when you as a sinner, you didn't deserve that love gift he gave you, but he gave it to you anyhow. And that's the price of our sin. And what a beautiful, beautiful representation if he was of the Father and how much the Father cared about us being redeemed children and our sins forgiven. So I'd like to look now a little bit at John 19, verses 1 to 11. Now, this is Jesus. He's before Pilate. But, you know, there's a number of things said here that uh, I know we've heard it many times over. But I want to tell you, friends, it's still just as true and real today as it was the first time you heard it, okay? And it's just as meaningful. And so then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And you, you know, we've heard it said that how rough that scourging could be. I mean, it's just, it, it kind of, it makes you cringe at how they just say a few words and it, it has so much meaning to it. 
I heard something when I was in Israel I never heard before. They said many times when these scourgings happened that they quit when the one whipping couldn't whip anymore. They didn't say they quit when the person fainted or fell or was torn to shreds. No, they said when the one whipping during the scourging lost energy and couldn't whip anymore. Now that, that, that touched my soul. I'll be honest, that touched me to the heart to realize I, I don't think we can really fathom what, what Jesus is wanting to go through for my, our sins. I don't think we can really fathom it. And then it goes on to say, And the soldier twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man! Therefore, when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. <clears throat> the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard these sayings, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the planetarium and said to Jesus, "What? Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Peter said, Then Jesus answered, You have no power at all against me unless it be given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered you to me has the greater sin. There's a number of things we see here. And uh, <clears throat> it's hard to imagine that the one that come from heaven and lived on this defiled earth, and I just have to wonder how much he had to just say, I have to wonder how much the, the one as holy as Jesus and the defiled as earth was around him, and he almost had to pray for grace to be joyful in this life. I just can't imagine what grace it took to him. I mean, it's kind of hard to live a joyful life, a holy life, the way it is. Yeah, but we never come from heaven. I mean, you know, can you imagine being in heaven, eternity passing and coming to this earth, and then, and then have these defiled heathen sinners, I, mean, I can't even say it quite as bad as it is, strike you, strike you, on the face with their hands. I just, I can't hardly fathom that. Now, I've had a number of things happen in my life that uh, took a lot of biting of the tongue, but I think that was a big biting of the tongue. I believe he really, he had to do that. And, you know, I think he was meek and lowly. He was meek and lowly. Yeah, there is not a friend like the lowly Jesus. You know, there's, there's no response to where he said, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You know, he, he's the one that gives us that perfect example. And they struck him with their hands. But, you know, they couldn't really find any fault in him. But he did claim to come from God and know God and be the son of God. And they couldn't stand that. 
and they called that blasphemy. But Jesus let them know, really, and Pilate said to him there in verse 10 and verse 11, that you know what? You're not in control at all. God is in control. And aren't you glad? Aren't we all glad? God, Jesus is in complete control of this situation. And uh, there was nothing done out of his control. Now I'd like to read uh, a little bit more about crucifixion there. Start cutting at verse 16. And he, as Pilate, delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. <clears throat> and he, bearing his cross, went out to the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on the either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was... <clears throat> Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. There again, there's a lot said in there. You know, to, to imagine, now we know from other passages that Jesus did not bear his cross. I believe the scourging had a very grueling effect on Jesus because he was a man. He was totally man. And, uh, and even though in his divinity, he could walk on water and he could do whatever he chose to do. He could cast out demons. You know, he was physical. Uh, he was a human being just like we were made. And that's what makes it so beautiful. And yet, so we know he didn't carry his cross. Simon of Serene carried his cross for him. And you know, they went outside the city there and they crucified him. And I just, I'm impressed again how just in a few words there's a lot done. You know, sometimes we feel like we're crucified in our reputation and what people say. I don't know if you ever felt like somebody really gave you a bad one. But, I, you know, to know... To know you're Jesus. You know, you own everything. And just to lay down on a cross with no resistance and let them nail you to the cross is just beyond description. It gives a lot of hope in us as mankind that we can be non-resistant also. In, in, in all of life, we can, be, we can show the love of Jesus and they crucified him. And worse than that, of course, we know he was crucified between two robbers. See, it's the price of my sin. Could it have been cheaper? I think if we had a plan for my sin, we would have thought of a bargain deal. But God said, you know what? I'll give the best of heaven for your sins. I'm giving the best of heaven for your and my sins. My only son, only son to come and to go to the cross. And therein, he died. Well, I read a, re a reading that goes like this. Man made the cross a tree of shame. Christ changed the cross to a tree of glory. Man used it as a tree of death. Christ converted it to the tree of life. It's amazing. Man employed it for cruel opposition. 
Christ put it into the service of freedom. Men made it an agency of judgment and retribution. Through Christ, it became a means of forgiveness and mercy. In the hands of man, the cross was an accursed tree. Touched by the hands of the Son of God, it became a tree of blessing. Before Calvary, the cross instilled only fear. After Calvary, it became a symbol of infinite love. Once man disgraced this tree with shame and other sins, then Christ sanctified it with his holy and precious blood. Before Good Friday, it hastened men into outer darkness. After that, it ushered men into paradise and glory. The shame of the cross was man in his doings. The glory of the cross is Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it wonderful? We can glory in the cross of Jesus. What a tremendous blessing to think of the price that he paid for my sins. That wonderful price. Now let's look at verses 28 to 30 in uh, John 18 where it says, Then after this Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was setting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on his and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Yes, he did. And that's the final cry. It is finished. Right after Jesus met the woman at the well, the disciples uh, were concerning about Jesus not eating for a long time. He said, Jesus said unto them there in John 4, 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. I don't know what your work is to be finished. And I don't know all of mine. But I know Jesus knew his and he was committed to finish it to the end. And that's beautiful because he knew that he was going to have to die and shed his blood for your sins and mine. He knew that. And he was said, I'm committed to the end. No wonder he said there in John 4, uh, 17, 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work thou hast given, give, givest me to do. Well, I praise God. He was willing to see it to the end. You know, we know it was a grueling process. We know that he had Gethsemane before this, but he was willing to see it to the end. But he was in complete control because he knew he was got to be lifted up to be crucified. But there was an important part of being lifted up. John 12, verses 31 to 33 says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Thus he said, signifying what death he should die. I don't know how you'd feel if you knew in your death you was going to be lifted up and glorified. Well, I think a Christian's death is quite glorious. To see them peacefully go to their reward is a quite a glorious occasion. But it's no question, Jesus knew the shame that he'd have to endure for my sins and our sins. And he said, I'm going to be lifted up, and I'm going to draw men unto me, and I believe Jesus' crucifixion and forgiveness draws men to him today. And us receiving that and proclaiming that is a tremendous blessing uh, to him and to the kingdom. A few more verses later, I'll read verses 34 and 35 here, John uh, 19, where it says, 
And one of the soldiers pierced his side with his spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who was, who had seen the, has testified, and his testimony is true, that he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. Now, <clears throat> such a beautiful passage. The wonder says in Ephesians 1 verse 7, And whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Yes, Jesus shed his blood not just to die. He shed his blood for our sins, the price of our sin. And so we partake of the cup, which is representative of the blood of Jesus, to fathom that's the most highest price you could have possibly paid. There's, there's no higher price that heaven could have brought forth for our sins. Romans 5, 9 says, Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way. But praise God, we, our sins can be beneath the blood of Jesus. We can answer the council meeting questions with a clarity of heart before God. I have peace with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. It's the only way we can answer those questions that way is because the blood of Jesus forgives us our sins. What a tremendous blessing. We are justified. We are made as if we had not sinned. And we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now I pondered that thought a little bit. And I read into it. There's some interesting thoughts there. I, it is hard for mankind to realize how deplorable sin is to God. Okay? And so there's there, God's, God's wrath. Now, God didn't have wrath toward men, but God hates sin, I think, beyond description for man. You know, God and sin cannot coexist. It, 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 well, it does not work. He lives within saints that are redeemed. <laughs> he does not live within sinners. He speaks, he calls them, thank God, he calls sinners. He calls them, we were sinners. Thank God for that. But, um, so there, there was judgment. His wrath and justice demands there had to be a penalty paid for sin. And, uh, and, and God, so God cared about it. And so the shame of the cross, it, it was there. But if it wouldn't have been for Jesus... To pay that price, the only blameless, spotless, perfect person that ever lived, the only one that could pay the price, and that's what it took. That's what it took to abate God's wrath on sin. If it wouldn't have been for that, we'd all be doomed and damned for hell. And that's true. I mean, it's just hard to imagine. And yet he said, look, my wrath, my justice is taken care of because Jesus died for your sins. He, he loved you so much, he paid the highest price. And so when we look at Jesus we, on the cross, we have to say again, look, look what it cost heaven for my sins, not smile, Jesus loves you. So many people say that, and it's not really that way. It's it, look what my sin cost Jesus and God. 
And it's beautiful for us to remember that. You know, by humanizing God and, and, and making Him look like a God that just smiles all the time, we minimize sin. And it takes away, and it takes away the real stench and hate and despite that God has a sin, because sin is against rebellion against God. And it's not living for Him. And so when we weaken, when we look at the cross and we kind of lower Jesus down to a human level and we don't appreciate that actually there was a high price for our sin, but also it involved justice for my sin. I would have seen death and the wrath of God if it wouldn't be for Jesus dying for me. We look at that, I tell you, it makes a special meaning of the emblems we'll partake of this evening. Therein, we receive, we receive grace in Him. Now, everyone has received grace because they can partake. They can get forgiveness. They can have forgiveness. But if we're a child of God and we receive forgiveness... Let me tell you, friends, we do well to recognize how much God was willing to pay so we do, you and I don't have to receive the wrath of God in our life, and especially hereafter. That's a, that's a, that's a gift beyond description. It's a gift beyond description. No wonder John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God! It's taking away the sins of the world. And that's a beautiful expression. Behold the Lamb of God. In Revelation, the book of Revelation, we read 28 times in there something like this, a lamb as it had been slain. Yes, that is the price of my, our sins this evening. The Lamb Jesus, the Lamb of God that was slain. And that, I tell you, it's a mark of the judgment of God on my, our sins. And he said, Jesus said, I was glad I saw the joy to do it for you. I had joy to do it to redeem a world, a world of sin, deplorable sinners, back to God. They can live in reconciliation and in fellowship with God because Jesus paid the price to abate the wrath of God on my sins. And that's a tremendous blessing. The price of my sin? It's hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom. But it's good to try. It's good to try. I tell you, I don't think we can truly fathom. But when we partake of these emblems this evening, I hope you have a deeper appreciation than you ever had before. That you aren't living under the wrath of God. In His mercy... You've received His grace and you received His peace. But what a tremendous price Jesus paid so that you can have that wonderful gift of new birth, redemption in Jesus. Shall we bow our heads for prayer?